0: Welcome to this week's Atlanta Foodcast from Georgia Organics. I'm Mary Elizabeth, Georgia Organics Communications Director. We have got another great lineup for you today, as well as a quick announcement. On today's show, you'll first hear from guest host Kiana Upton of Nourish and Black and Nourish Botanica in conversation with Israel from Mariposas Rebeldes, a queer Latinx urban ag and food collective, and indigenous healer Myrna de Jesus Rivera, in an excellent two-part segment. Then, we're celebrating watermelon season, talking with Georgia Watermelon Queen, Lindsay Westbury, an ambassador for the Georgia Watermelon Association, supporters of our recent Farm to School Summit. And to close us out today, we're checking in with Demetrius Milling on the next stages of the Love is Love Cooperative Farm is an excellent packed show so stay tuned and as for that announcement we're going to end the season and take a summer break starting today it's time to catch our collective breaths Uh, we're going to take a quick pause to enjoy some sunshine great seasons of produce and then come back this fall with many more excellent guests from the georgia food world we hope you enjoy the time to revisit our past segments and to stay tuned for future guests. So enjoy today's show, and thanks for joining us. We're so excited to have Atlanta Foodcast guest host Kiana Upton back for more incredible storytelling conversations. If you haven't yet, check out our most recent episode for her conversation with Whetstone Magazine founder and Netflix host of High on the Hog, Steven Satterfield. You can also scroll back to February, where we introduced Kiana as a new host and discussed her endeavors, Nourish and Black, and the forthcoming Nourish Botanica. First, she's speaking with Israel of Mariposas Rebeldes, a collective of queer, Latinx, indigenous organizers working to make space for urban agriculture and food autonomy. After that, she's talking with Myrna de Jesus Rivera, an indigenous healer based in Puerto Rico, about healing trauma through food, and honoring the land and ancestors as guiding sources. As always, we're grateful to Kiana for bringing these rich conversations to the table. Y'all are going to so enjoy these segments.
1: Hello, welcome to Nourish in Black, Nourish Botanica storytelling, uh, hosted by Georgia Organics on the Atlanta Foodcast. I am super excited and honored to be able to speak to Israel today with Mariposas Rebeldes. You have to get my pronunciation together. But um, I will, I'm really excited about this call because, um, or this podcast, this this interview, uh, because uh, over the past, uh, last year, this organization has also been doing fundraising for land liberation around food justice and food organizing. And I have really wanted to speak to them about just their experience with that, uh, where they are and where they started. So I'll let you introduce yourself.
2: Hi, Kiana, Um, my name is Israel, I'm The co-founder of Mariposas Rebeldes and yeah we're a queer Latinx-led urban agriculture and food collective um, you know trying to do cool things and uh, think about uh, what food autonomy looks like in our community and that sort of thing.
1: Beautiful um, okay so I'm gonna read this quote and then i love to hear more about, you know, how y'all all came together. It says uh, that you all are a diverse Latinx community intersected with black, trans, queer, and indigenous identities, um, growing much needed food and medicine, sharing skills and material resources and organizing around each member's interests and pressing needs, which I love that part. And I'll get back to that part, but um, how did y'all come together?
2: So it started towards the beginning of the pandemic. I <clears throat> I had been involved with uh, various uh, food justice orgs um, and like mutual aid projects um, for like a year before the pandemic. And when um, around that time, it was like my second year starting to you know grow things um, and i would i just started like a little backyard garden in the house i was living in at the time um, i would have you know friends over to do work days and uh, do different skill shares and workshops and what we kind of realized you know doing the work is that uh, there weren't really any queer latinx led gardening or agriculture programs uh, in atlanta so we were hoping to kind of you know fill that niche and provide a safe space for um, people in our community to learn more about food autonomy and um, uh, how to grow and grow and process food. Um, and yeah, it really took off. People people liked the um, people liked the idea, and we were uh, we started raising money to um, buy land after we um, were evicted from the original house because of, you know, the landlord just not wanting to renew the lease during the pandemic. Um, and we actually, and we recently actually reached our goal um, to, it, uh, you know, purchase a small lot in South Atlanta, and we're really excited about um, going forward with that and, you know, building the sort of uh, collective infrastructure that we need.
1: That is awesome. Congratulations. I know that that is a, an achievement. Um, because like I said, I've, I've been fundraising too, and I'm getting ready to actually relaunch in a little bit, um, where in South Atlanta are, are y'all going to be? And is it residential? Can you tell us anything more about? Yeah, I can tell you yeah, okay. a little bit more. Um,
2: we it's um, it's in the Orchard Knob neighborhood, which is a little south of Lakewood. Um, it's just like a third of an acre lot, uh, and we've already started doing a bit of invasive removal in the area just kind of you know clearing things out like the the ivy the privet the wisteria uh and just uh it's starting to it's starting to take shape and we're we we'll, we're having volunteer work days there every friday from 11 to 2. um if anyone
1: wants to come out and see the land and <laughs> help us out that's awesome so it's it's a it's a home it's a garden it's everything is it going to be
2: yeah, the vision—the vision for the space is is kind of in flux right now, but yeah. we're hoping to um, build out a sort of food forest, um, building a tiny home for you know someone to live on site and steward the land, as well as a community kitchen um, where we hope to hold workshops and. Uh, educational stuff about, um, you know, how to process foods that you grow, especially the more difficult stuff like, um, you know, fruit and nut trees and uh, different uh, fermentation techniques and that sort of thing.
1: That's really dope, Um, congratulations. I definitely have questions after this. (laughs) Um, Okay. And I wanted to find out how do you see your relation to food and land as a vehicle for change and for you to dream?
2: Ah, Well, the the way I see it, land is um, kind of one of the most important things like food and land um, hand in hand because um, any radical project that we do, any group that we try to help any um any kind of liberation that we try to achieve it's it's really dependent on having access to food and having access to land in order to you know have a space to live and have a place to to to, you know support those kinds of radical projects you know having a specific place to organize and um you know, built out your movement. Um, it's 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 really the first and foremost thing. And that's become really, really clear to me going through this, um, going through this process, because for the longest time after we had lost our um, original garden, we were just trying to organize remotely and, you know, do what we can without having... Um, access to actual growing space and and it was difficult you know it was we had to get really creative about how um, about how we engaged people and the kinds of workshops and content that we um, that we made Um, so yeah that's that's just become it's become very clear how how necessary land and food autonomy is
1: and to that point about um, your workshops and the, the content, I find it so beautiful. Um, and I love how uh, it's inspiring because it causes even me with my movement. There's a lot that I haven't revealed about what I'm doing, but it, it causes me to even be like a little bit more like uh, creative in some ways. Cause it's like, how do we um, move in space and move in community in ways where it's more bartering and less capital and not capitalism necessarily, because you know I, I really believe in trade, but anyway, yeah, it causes me to be just a little bit more creative about, uh, we're not in a place where we could afford stuff the way we, let me know, I don't wanna speak negatively into our lives, but <laughs> it's different now. Let me just say it like that, you yeah. know? And so I, it, it, you all's creativity, like influences, and I'm sure I can't be the only one, you know all of us to be a lot more creative so like it's really really great what y'all are doing and i loved um i didn't get to go i ended up having to to like move the day of the plant walk but y'all did like a plant walk at cascade
2: Mm, i remember
1: yeah um so i love you i love the content that y'all are creating um i wanted to know um how like what is your concept or what is your approach to or what are your thoughts on plant medicine and plants as spirits. And do you consider them like friends and ancestors like many of us do? Or what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Um, I think um, our relationship to the plants around us is um, is a very sacred thing. Um, you know, that's... Um, because the, these plants are what grows out of um, our our decaying bodies, pretty much to put it <laughs> frankly, um, <laughs> we can see the sort yeah. of ancestors on the land um, <clears throat> and we can see the histories of what's been done on the land through the plants if we know if we know what to look for. Um, and being able to have that communication with the plant life around us and being able to act responsibly with it. And uh, that's, that's uh, I think of it as a form of, of communion with our ancestors and um, really thinking about their histories with the land and um, how that can, how we can do our, do the projects that we want to do while respecting their wishes and respecting the work that they've done.
1: That is beautiful and I, um, yes, I'm in agreement with that. Um, so now talking about food, cause uh, I'm gonna snitch on you a little bit. You're, he's they're they're eating in the middle of this <laughs> and they're making this i'm don't know. i calling you out a little bit because it looks good i mean this we're this is a podcast but we're i'm recording it on video so i could see like the the cinnamon like the sauce or whatever <laughs> and it looks I, really I good
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wonder what is your dream menu do you have a dream menu Oh, all
2: the time, of course. <laughs> um, we do we do food pop ups here and there um, with the tempeh that I make, um, and it's uh, like designing menus is like so much fun, and I I love I love being creative with that. But um, my dream menu, um, gosh, it's really just as many fermented foods as possible. Mm. I think the more, the better. (laughs) Um, I What I'm really, one thing I'm really hoping to kind of do one day is um, figure out a way to adapt Peruvian food, which is where I'm from, um, into um, more vegan diets. Because I'm noticing that there's a lot of Peruvian cuisine popping up in and around Atlanta as it, as it should. It's, it's really, it's really good. It's my favorite kind of international cuisine, but um, <laughs> there's not, um, unlike a lot of, you know, different Latin American cuisines. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of effort to, to try to veganize it, which is very, which is sh- selfish for me because I want to be able to eat the, the stuff. Um, again without feeling guilty about eating fish or whatever but um right because the ceviche oh, right right so figuring out how to veganize ceviche maybe with like oyster mushrooms or something figuring out how to veganize um, lomo saltado with some kind of yeah. Um... yeah and there's and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like fun um peruvian ferments too like like chicha is, is a corn based sort of it's basically corn beer um, mm-hmm. that I'm really interested in experimenting with, um, yeah. and yeah, yeah, just yeah, I guess. Okay. There we go. Less of a less of a concrete menu and more just.
1: That was good. Yeah. I mean, I, I I picture it. I mean, I love. I um, I had a ceviche someone made from the flower of the banana, the banana blossom. Mm and it was really good so I haven't tried it I, in fact I, they were, we were together I, I had bought it and but then when I started busting it open I was like uh <laughs> wait a minute I got intimidated so I let the professional handle it and then it, they they finished it all up and by the end of it it was ceviche so just saying that might be something it was really good and it was it was like um it was almost like the octopus though not the fish yeah, yeah. so um, well, this has been a great call a great talk. Uh, <laughs> did you have, how, how can people follow you? Keep up with you or anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah. Um,
2: Instagram this is, sorry,
1: this will be airing in June, by the way. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Instagram is the best way to follow us, um, at Mariposas Rebeldes. Um, And if you need help with the spelling, I'm sure. I will tag it. (laughs) Um, We have a website as well, www.MariposasRebeldes.com. That has all of our contact information and email and stuff if you want to reach us that way. Um, And yeah, just um, like I said, we'll have ongoing volunteer days um at the land and we also have uh two different growing sites that we're working on um and those are separate volunteer days but um we'll we'll make a we'll make a we'll make a big post about that
1: yeah thank you so much Israel this was great and um I look forward to just following everything that you have going on for the rest of the year and hopefully speaking to you again um something else I'm planning that I would love for y'all to be involved in so thank you again yes yes Okay. Hello. My name is Kiana Upton and I am the founder of Nourish in Black and the upcoming Nourish Botanica. Um, And I'm so excited to host this podcast with Georgia Organics. I actually was a guest on uh, Georgia Organics to speak about Nourish in Black and Nourish Botanica a few weeks ago, well, a few months ago. Uh, you can go back through their database and you know um, check out what that was, what that's about. I'm not going to really get into that today because I really am excited to speak to this guest. This um, guest is my first guest ever on my first podcast episode ever, and it's an honor to be in their presence. I, it was very intentional that I chose um, this person because. They played such a role in the birth of Nourish in Black, and um, from that birth into the physical space that will be Nourish Botanica. And um, as a testament to radical placekeeping um, and remaining remaining in service to the land and ancestors in the way I've been guided to be, I wanted to make sure that I am you know, be, be using the, this platform to be a beacon to guide anyone who listens to those who have guided me. So I spent some time last year introducing, you know, my, my people, my, my, the people who follow me, my community um, to the upcoming greenhouse eatery business, Nurse Britannica. And with through that, my focus has never wavered from amplifying artists, farmers, community organizers, and those people um, being healers. So it's very intentional, um, a reason for us, or a way for us to be able to use our voices and our vision to balance the scales, to say we exist, to say that we heal and we are worthy. Um, And, I want to introduce you to Mirna. Um, I'm going to let her speak to, you know, how she wants to introduce herself and tell us your name and any identifiers that are important, how you started um, and what you do and, and why you do what you do.
3: Hi, Kiana. Well, first of all, I'm honored, deeply honored, very grateful that I am on your show. Grateful to be here with you. I love you with all my heart. And um, my name is Myrna de Jesus. I'm going to put in all the fam in here with my name. My name is Myrna de Jesus Rivera Martinez Vargas. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the question? Aside <laughs> from what my name is. <laughs> yes, your name. Um,
1: let me pre- preface this by saying uh, how we met a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want you to tell them, tell them, you know, everyone about what you do. But Mirna and I met because uh, on Facebook, actually. Like we have a mutual friend who's awesome. Um, I live in Atlanta and Mirna lives in Puerto Rico. Um, and we'll talk about that, but, um, we have just, we just was attracted to each other's, I guess, it, our, our energies <laughs> and, um, in December, 2019, uh, no, it was November, 2019, I reached out to Myrna because I was seeking a t- healing. Myrna had, um, posted, posted frequently about, uh, what she does. Um, and I reached out to Myrna, um for help and we'll, we'll get into that, but that's just, a, just to give you guys a, a, a little bit of what she does. And I would love to for you to explain to people more about that, um, how you started what you do and what you do and, and why you do what you do. Okay,
3: okay. great questions. Um, well, first of all, I am a curandera, which is the word in Spanish for healer. Uh, indigenous healer that works with indigenous medicine um, that supports uh, the healing, the well-being, the transformation of individuals. Um, So curanderas, curanderos, which is uh, uh, masculine and feminine healers, uh, work with medicine from the earth to support folks who are going through transitions or traumas or whatever it may be that they're struggling with in their life. We work with um, indigenous uh, medicine from the earth. We also work with different types of remedies that are um, very specific to that person's imbalance and um, struggle uh, sourced from either the spirit world or uh, from the earth itself. Um, What I, why I started, so I, I became compelled to learn about um, the root cause of illnesses, in particular, what the root cause of debilitating depression and and gut-wrenching anxiety were um, when I was plagued by a horrific darkness, an indescribable um, experience of darkness soon after graduating high school back in 1994. Um, And so that inquiry about, you know, what was going on with me and wanting answers is uh, what caused me to basically get on my knees and pray and beg my ancestors, um, my spirit guardians, to help me understand. Um, And so they, they led me to discovering the important connection between what we put in our bodies and what's available to us in our communities, what's sold to us in advertisements, and how this all affects us. Um, not simply our mental health, but also our brain health, our emotional roller coasters, our ability to think coherently, and even our ability to tap into our intuition and ancestral wisdom. Um, so that that's in a nutshell how this all came about.
1: Wow! Um, thank you for sharing that. That is beautiful, and um, that's essentially where I was when I reached out to Mirna mm-hmm. for help. Um, Very randomly, randomly in a sense that I didn't—I knew a little bit of what she did, but I didn't know—I didn't know her that well. Um, I was in a very dark place. I was struggling with addiction issues, and you absolutely guided me to where I am. And I can't—I really can't thank you enough. And Mm -hmm. I—I don't want to get emotional, so Mm -hmm. I uh, wanna—you know—I'm just very thankful. You know that I'm very, very grateful to you, and um, I'm so. But I am grateful to have been there, though, you know, um, mm. in, that, in that dark place. Um, mm. it, it was okay. such a birth place for all of this, you know, truly, truly was. Um, how can you tell us about where you live and has I want to know about Puerto Rico, you know, what's going on there and anything that you can mm. share with us about what you I guess what you do in relation to the land or the um the spirits, the plant spirits, there. I don't know if I'm asking
3: that right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love your little giggle. Yes, that's a great question. Um, I do. I live on the island of Boriquen, which is uh our original name, um, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, a very small and very mighty force in the Car- Caribbean, right off the Atlantic Ocean. Um, And so we are, uh, there's a a very strong community here of um, creating a very strong movement, grassroots movements for many, many years um, since we became colonized over 400 years ago. Um, The movement is still alive today. I would say there's an even stronger momentum to this movement in terms of getting land back in our own hands, um, cultivating our, uh, our resources in a way that is in alignment with our truth. Um, and so there's a few different ways that I participate in this and I'm uh, um, directly involved with this upliftment. Um, one of them is working directly with my neighbors in terms of um, supporting them with uh, I mean aside from my my professional work supporting them with their everyday needs whether it's going to the supermarket to you know make sure that they have what they need or um, helping them with counseling you know in terms of my professional work also with counseling when I when I notice that an elder is out of sorts um, uh, I become compelled in such a way that there's nothing I can do or there's nothing that stops me in other words than being there for them in some way whether it's sitting with them in their porch and just having a conversation or bringing them fruit from our garden and um, making them some tea with the fruit leaves or um, there's a few other ways I would say one of the other um, very significant ways is um, there's a plan that's underway right now with a few community members where we're developing and building, um, rebuilding, I should say, our, this immediate neighborhood where my family grew up and where we've been a part of for uh, generations. Um, So yeah, quite a few things that are in the works, in the works and a a lot of ways in which um, we're strengthening each other, you know, every day.
1: Um, How is, or has, how has food been essential to how you're helping your community um, to heal from trauma?
3: Mm. food um, that's such a great question it's essentially um, rather it's incredibly essential because all food all food has consciousness it has wisdom um, most importantly it contains it contains spiritual instructions um from the spirit of the lands they're grown in. And so they help to speak life right directly into our trauma, informing it of how to properly heal. Um, And so often, you know, there's a lot of confusion, particularly with so many diets that are out, you know, every day, there seems to be a new fad or a new diet or new trend on how to eat food, these things. Um, But so my work is reminding my community about um, the importance of just taking the food in that grows from the land, because it will tell you what you need. And it will remind you of where to go to get what you need when you don't have it, you know, whether it is taking a deep breath or eating an apple. Um, so that's that's one of the main ways that I work with that.
1: That is beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never thought Powerful. of it that way as far as food, because it is a part of the land and in a sense hold me- holds memories
3: mm-hmm. and
1: remind you when you consume it into your body. I never thought about it that way. Yeah.
3: Yes. It, and it'll tell you who you are when you forget mm. the food, will, will, you know, because again, food is spirit food has spirit. Every food has a consciousness and a very particular type of spirit that dwells in it. And it knows who you are, you know, so it goes in your body. And when you forget, it'll remind you, no, baby girl, get up. This is Mm -hmm. what you need to do today. Mm. You know, don't, don't go in that direction. This is where you need to go. Mm. So it's a very important thing to remember.
1: Um, What is your first or most impactful food memory?
3: Um, you know, I would say it was, I would say it was when my mother fed me when I came out of her womb, even though I don't remember that distinctly, but I would imagine that that was the very first one. But the very first conscious memory I have is uh, two things. One, when my father would make his bomb-ass stews um one of them was mondongo which was he was really good at making with lots of hearty vegetables and um mondongo is basically pig tripe um and so that was one of my first memories of how delicious it was and then the other one was uh the balls of rice that my mother would make in her hands to feed my siblings and i when we didn't want to eat she'd make them into little balls the rice and be like here here and um so yummy. <laughs> so I remember more than that, you know, the food, of course, the flavors and how delicious, but I remember just all the love that they poured into it. Mm. Um,
1: what? What is your dream menu?
3: <laughs> ah, girl. <laughs> oh my God, if I can pinpoint one, I don't know. I'm so obsessed with food. <laughs> and that it's hard for me to like pinpoint one particular I would say dream menu god I don't know (laughs) it's so hard it's so hard I just love food so much um I think it would be that mondongo that my father made so beautifully Mm -hmm. um with all the delicious uh root vegetables that he would put in them all the traditional root vegetables that that goes into that recipe um, with some fresh bread and, and a cold beer. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> that's my dream menu. <laughs>
1: hit all the pockets. Like I love, a, I love root vegetables. I know it's tripe,
3: but mm-hmm.
1: I, that's cool. You know, for whomever I, I used to eat yeah. in the Virgin Islands, we have something called, um, sauce and Mm. it's is pig feet with lots and lots of lemon juice and Mm. either scotch bonnet or habanero peppers and it's one of the foods i miss the most because i had to Mm. let go of you know just some relationships to a lot of food yeah they were like no no thanks and Uh, if i'm picturing food talking to me because right thanks to you you know i do and Mm. um I'll say this, I wanna interject and say, um, during the process of of Mirna and I uh, going through therapy, when I was in therapy, uh, she was very adamant about my food. Like, I mean, I used to say she was on my ass, like, dang on. One of the things she she said from the very beginning was, to trust you um, and to whatever you tell me to do, that I need to do it if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be in therapy with you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, she sent me this beautiful email. Well, uh, 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 this is a, just a piece of a beautiful email she sent and it was nourishing healthy food will also act as an ally supporting your integration and serving as a conduit for transmuting the stagnant energy of repressed emotions and trauma into healing energy. Your brain will be working quite intensely, repatterning neuron connections and it needs appropriate brain food to do it properly. And I just thought that that was so beautiful and I love mm-hmm. um, I always thought that you've had such a way with words and um, I think it, in my opinion it comes from you know your, your vision and I would love to know what is your vision or you know what is mm-hmm. your dream for your community?
3: Mm. Mm. um there's so many you know there really is so many but this is I would say, our last question
1: so uh tell me that you're you're you know the one that you want the most
3: yeah the one that I want the most I would say is that we remember who we are and that our local businesses and farms flourish for the wellbeing of, of all, you know, that all that we're putting all our heart and soul to really, uh, does not get disturbed.
1: Mm. That's beautiful. That,
3: that's my greatest dream. I would say.
1: Well, I really appreciate this. Um, I really hope that mm-hmm. Likewise. <laughs> I, I'm ex I'm just very, very excited to introduce people to you, you know, um, I can't wait for you know to be able to just you know to introduce people to you you know you're such a bright light you know I mean and a firm hand like I I think about you all the time um I always I I reference you know what you taught me all the time all the time like almost every day Mm -hmm. I um my partner he's from puerto rico and i I, i'm telling him like Mm. for for us to go so we can meet you i know i'm gonna be like so emotional Uh and i'm just thankful thank you so much for taking the time Uh to to speak to us today and giving me your time um and yeah (laughs) i love you
3: you. i love you too thank you so much for our next segment,
0: we want to give a special shout-out to the Georgia Watermelon Association for supporting us as a sponsor of the Farm to School and Early Care Summit. We're talking to the official ambassador for the Georgia watermelon industry, the 2021 Watermelon Queen, Lindsay Westbury. Today, Lindsay's sharing the importance of watermelon to the state of Georgia, health and versatility of this delicious fruit, and how to pick out the best watermelon. to have like a very Georgia icon here today. <laughs> it is the 2021 Watermelon Queen, Lindsay Westbury with the Georgia Watermelon Association. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Hi good morning. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited that it's watermelon season. Um, yes. Yeah. Favorite time of year and so excited to have you with me and to to really have had the opportunity recently to partner with the Georgia Watermelon Association. Um, Y'all were a great supporter of our uh, Farm to School and Early Care Summit with Georgia Organic's Farm to School team. So we thank you for your support there. And we thank you for your work with watermelons.
4: Yeah, of course. Happy to help out any way we can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Lindsay, tell us about your role as Watermelon Queen here. Yes.
4: So my job, first and foremost, is to uphold the mission of the Georgia Watermelon Association, and that is to promote the best interests of the industry from production to consumption or from seed to table. So I travel across the state of Georgia, nationally, and sometimes even to Canada, educating the public about the health, value, and versatility of watermelons. So a new Queen Ambassador is chosen every year at the Georgia Watermelon Association's annual convention held at the King and Prince Resort in the beautiful St. Simons Island. The queen competition consists of an interview, a speech, an onstage question, an um, evening gown, promotional wear, and we also throw in a watermelon seed spitting contest just for fun. So it is a weekend full of excitement. This is a paid position and a scholarship opportunity for young women ages 18 to 23. I highly recommend it. Um, If you love watermelons, have a passion for advocating, and would love the opportunity to represent the greatest industry, then you can be the Georgia
0: Watermelon Queen. Wow, that's cool. So um, tell us a little bit about and and I'll mention too we can share the notes and the links to more information about becoming queen um, of course yeah WA website in the show notes but um, yeah tell us about your I, your reign I guess I don't know <laughs> yeah so I'm
4: the first Georgia watermelon queen to have been given the opportunity to serve two consecutive terms as queen. So we were unable to have our annual convention during 2020 due to the pandemic. So they called me and asked me if I would like to serve a second term. And of course, I said, yes, I love my job so much. My favorite part is that I never stop learning. So I love visiting with our producers and those who make up our industry to foster the knowledge that I already have with the willingness to learn more um watermelons are so fascinating on farm tours I find myself asking a thousand more questions every explanation that I get and then before I know it the entire day has passed by and I didn't even realize it because I just want to know more and more and more and that's how much I love my job um you know I feel like it was part of God's greater plan to allow me to serve two consecutive years because my first year as queen, I spent a lot of time learning as much as I could about the watermelon industry and gaining as much knowledge as possible. So I spent a lot of time on farm tours. I experienced field trials, tested new varieties, and identified the perfect traits that make up the perfect watermelon. I also did several virtual visits. I was always on Facebook Live, several school virtual promotions, um, news station promotions, and I partnered with several charities to give back during those turbulent times. And I'm so proud to say that I was able to make 39 promotions during the year Uh, of 2020 during the pandemic. And this year we plan on making even more and applying all of that knowledge that I learned during 2020 to my in-person promotions. Now,
0: wow, that is a lot of promotion visits. That's incredible. Yes, (laughs) I I was looking at um, y'all's Facebook page, Georgia Watermelon Associations Associations Facebook page. And I noticed how cute all of the school visits were. I'm sure the kids love to learn about them. And, and it-
4: they do. I love <laughs> them so much. Um, yeah, school promotions are always very exciting. And, you know, most kids don't recognize that watermelons are healthy. It's, it's a treat that we crave during these hot summer months here in Georgia. But um, yeah, they're actually really good for kids, too. And I think when they find that out and when parents find that
0: out, they enjoy it even more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so cool. Um, and, and I'm sure a really valuable part of, you know, your experience is how much you're learning. I'm sure the people that you're meeting, it sounds like an incredible opportunity. Yes. Once in a lifetime opportunity for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about the watermelon industry in Georgia. I'm sure, especially if we've got farmers listening, um, general food and watermelon lovers. So (laughs) what does this um, fruit signify for our state? Well Georgia
4: is one of the top three watermelon producing states in the nation. It is one of our top produce crops. We currently have around 35,000 acres of watermelon in production here in Uh. the state of Georgia. And it is peak production time in June and July. Right now we are in the beginning of June. So be on the lookout for Georgia watermelons to be in your nearest grocery store any day now. Um, our climate here in South Georgia is perfect for growing the sweetest and juiciest watermelons, which is why people all across the world love to eat Georgia watermelons. Our producers adhere to top safety standards, and they're always working to continuously improve our already great product. So when you purchase a Georgia watermelon, you can be guaranteed that you are getting the best.
0: Absolutely, I didn't know that, that we were a top three producer. It's always something that I think of as a staple in Georgia, but I'm kind of, I'm excited to know that, that we're really that strong in watermelon production. That's awesome. Oh, yes.
4: Yes. Our producers are amazing. Our industry works very hard and watermelons, I've I've seen a few sneak peeks of the fields this year. They're looking
0: beautiful and I can't wait for everyone to get to try them. Good. Well, talk to us a bit more about some of the nutrition and kind of health benefits of watermelon. I think I personally am just so absorbed with it being a treat that I like. It's just so exactly. Yeah. Like a special dessert or something that I don't often think about the nutrition of it, which it has a lot of.
4: Absolutely. That's the beauty of watermelon. So we don't expect something so sweet and juicy to also be so nutrient dense. You know, first you can't spell watermelon without water. Watermelon is 92% water and it is a multivitamin unto itself. It contains vitamins A, B6 and C. Um, Also, watermelon fuels athletes. I want everyone to know that Uh because, yes, it is 92% water. It's a natural hydrator. It's an excellent source of vitamin C, meaning that it contains more than 25% of your daily recommended value, but it is also one of Mother Nature's best sources of potassium. So consuming watermelon achieves two very important things for athletes or even those who work out exercise Um, First, it rehydrates them and it replenishes electrolytes. So many athletes will prefer watermelon over sports drinks because it is so rich in those natural electrolytes. Also, if you're looking for a food that will satisfy your sweet tooth, but it's also heart healthy, go for some watermelon. It's backed by the American Heart Association as being a heart healthy food. Um, I also want to talk about the economical value of watermelon. So Mm -hmm. watermelon is the most affordable fruit produce item per serving on the market. It is only 17 cents per serving and one large watermelon can feed up to three dozen people. It is also 100% edible, no food waste food, better for you and the environment. So there's three parts to every watermelon, the flesh, the juice, and the rind. I know a lot of people don't actually know that you can eat the watermelon rind, but you absolutely can. And I'm going to share with you two delicious ways that you can do that. So the first way is to make watermelon rind pickles. They are delicious and they were actually in the first cookbook that was ever published here in the United States. So people have been enjoying them for years. The second way is to chop up the watermelon rind and incorporate it into a stir fry. It adds substance, nutritional value, and flavor. Um, You can find so many recipes and ways to incorporate watermelon into recipes at the National Watermelon Promotion Board's website, which is watermelon.org.
0: Great. Wow. Okay. Stir fry. I had never (laughs) thought about that. That's crazy. What is it? I've, I've got to try that. That's so- yeah, delicious. Wow. Well, and I'll be sure to link to the, those recipes in the show notes as well. What about picking out a watermelon? I think when I go to the store, I just kind of, let's see, I kind of go for like a pretty green, I guess, and just yeah. you know, a good size, but those are two very indeterminate ways of picking a watermelon. Yeah. What should we look for? So first, we
4: know agriculture is constantly evolving. So I want to share with you first the five different types of watermelon that you will find in the grocery store, and then we'll talk about how to pick out the perfect one. So the first type of watermelon that you're going to find most commonly and makes up the majority of watermelon production is going to be your seedless watermelon. They come in medium and large sizes. They're usually perfectly round in shape, um, and they're very delicious. Second one, the classic seeded watermelon. It's been around for ages. When we think of watermelon, we think of that classic watermelon with the big black seeds. We've all loved them and they're still delicious as ever. Um, They're usually very large and oval shaped. Our third type of watermelon, which is becoming more and more popular, is the mini watermelon. So a lot of people hesitate to buy the large watermelon because they're afraid that they may waste it. Um, you know, they won't be able to finish it or that it's too heavy. This is where the mini watermelon comes in handy. One or two people could finish the entire thing and they are equally as delicious as all the rest. Now, our last two types of watermelon is the yellow and orange watermelon. I encourage everyone to try them. They are delicious. You can usually find these in specialty stores and farmers markets. Yeah. Now that we know the five types that you may find in the grocery store, let's talk about how to pick out the perfect watermelon. So this is my, per- my, this is my favorite part to teach um, because I, I feel like I shock a lot of people when I tell them this. So I like to teach um, three easy steps. It's the look, lift, and turn method. So first, you want to look at the watermelon. You want to feel for a watermelon that's firm, not mushy, pretty symmetrical, and free of any cuts, dents, or bruises. Step one. Step two, we want to lift up the watermelon. Remember, they are 92% water, so they should feel pretty heavy for their size. Last and most important step is to turn that watermelon over and check for the yellow ground spot on the bottom. This is where the watermelon sit on the ground, it ripened in the sun, and it's going to be sweet to eat. Like you mentioned earlier, you usually look for a green watermelon. And that's what so many consumers tell me. And while yeah. those all green watermelons are delicious, or not delicious, they're they're beautiful. The yeah. ones with the yellow spot on the bottom are going to taste better because they've ripened in the sun.
0: They're going to be sweet to eat. Absolutely. Well, and I should say, if there's one thing we're we're a fan of here at George Organics, it's that, you know. Your produce doesn't have to always have to be that perfect, you know, that perfectly round, bright red tomato. Like sometimes, no, oh, yeah, the heirloom tomatoes, those are really the best ones. So yeah, <laughs> it's great to look for that sun sunspot. spot. I love that. Make sure it's make sure it's grown the right way.
4: Oh yeah. Um, also, I want to mention when you get your watermelon haul. Now that we've picked out the perfect watermelon. Um, there's something really important that you need to do to that watermelon before cutting or consuming it. Um, we actually did a study and only 50% of consumers are washing their watermelons before mm-hmm. cutting or serving them. Yeah. Um, so this is easy to do. Make sure you wash that watermelon. All you have to do is place it under cool running water for a quick but thorough bath. Use your hands or a produce brush, rub all around it, get everything off the surface, dry it off, then it's ready to cut and
0: serve. But be that sure.
4: watermelon.
0: I'm usually so anxious to like dive right in. And I'm sure most people are. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like that. Especially That's during awesome. these hot days we've had here in Georgia lately. Yeah. No. Hot all of a sudden. Yes. Definitely. Well, um, tell us a bit about what you have coming up. I mean, you definitely have a busy schedule. Um, yes. Yeah.
4: So this weekend I will be at the Braves Country 5K. Um, held at the Battery at the Braves Stadium, and I will be giving out watermelon to the racers at the finish line. So if you're there, be sure to stop by and see me. Um, I will also be on farm tours very soon as we are in the peak production time here in Georgia. I will be at a grocery store near you, I'm sure. Come and see me there. Um, I'll also be on local news stations, at culinary camps, festivals, parades, and I'm so excited to serve as the honorary team captain for the Atlanta Braves on June 30th. Um, I'll be attending the Georgia Farm Bureau Convention in St. Simons, or I mean in Jekyll Island in July, Um, and I will end by competing at the national competition held in Times Square in New York City in February. So I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Wow, wow, best of luck, that's exciting. Thank you, yes. Well, how can folks learn more about GWA and and your work um, and connect with y'all on social? What's the best, what's the best way? Yeah, of course.
4: So you can visit our website at Georgia Watermelon Association.org. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at GA Watermelons. You can follow me
0: on Instagram at GA Watermelon Queen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything you missed? That was a lot of great information about watermelons. I-, I don't think so, but I hope
4: everyone learned something new today. And I hope that I get to see our consumers very soon as I travel across the state of Georgia.
2: Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. Um, Thank you for having me. All you're doing to spread the good word about our delicious watermelons. And thanks for supporting us. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Finally, we're checking in with Demetrius Milling about the next chapter for Love is Love Cooperative Farm in Mansfield, Georgia. We'll be following their progress with this worker-owned farming cooperative to help share how others can mirror what they're doing to prioritize equity in farming ownership, responsibilities, and work-life balance in this exciting new venture. Excited to be joined by Demetrius Milling, who is currently the assistant farm manager at Love Is Love at Gaia Gardens, and we're going to be checking in and kind of continuing to chart the progress of the Love Is Love collective farm, a cooperative farm. Excuse me, um, Demetrius. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining.
5: Well, thank you, Mary Elizabeth, for having me on today. And uh, thank the podcast for wanting to share our story. I'm really appreciative of that.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, y'all sent out um, a really great email recently. I highly recommend that folks hop on your email list. Um, Just really sharing out the news. I know in our previous episode, Monica Ponce, um, who's going to be one of the, the worker owners, the farmer owners of the Cooperative she gave us a little teaser of what was going on but what i want to do today is just check in with you on on where things stand now and you know part of our part of our goal is to document you know like i said checking in with y'all so that if other farmers are interested in this model um they'll kind of be able to to tune in and see what's going on with y'all so yeah give us a give us a rundown on first yourself let's Let's meet Demetrius, first and
5: foremost. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, hopefully people can tune in and see our progress and uh, be replicable model for the future. That's what we hope to do. But uh, myself, Demetrius Milling, uh, I'm an Atlanta native. My family's been here for a very long time. And um, I graduated from Druid Hills High School, um, soon went to Georgia State, realized I did not like going to a four-year university. Um, I really wanted to work with my hands. Uh, I really wanted to be outside. So I set myself on a mission just to ask any and everybody what their job was and what they liked or did not like about their job. And people often told me a lot of things they don't like. And some of the things that they told me they don't like was they didn't like their job wasn't challenging or it wasn't new or things were just stale and was the same all the time. So I was like, okay, if I, I figure out what I want to do and it addresses those things that a lot of people have problems with their jobs, then I should yeah. be good. Awesome. Um, so I set out on this mission to find that career and I volunteered on a farm, Brightside Farm. those was written by Aaron Siscuti, uh, here in the metro area. And I went and saw Erin and she allowed me to volunteer. And after a week, I was like, this is really what I want to do. So that set me off and she recommended I go to uh, Gwinnett Tech. Uh, And at Gwinnett Technical College, I got an associate's degree in horticulture um, with some great mentors, Tony Gobert out there and Aaron Poulsen, a really great program. Um, They helped me with a lot of things. Uh, And then I started working for Joe about five years ago in 2016. So uh, from there, I was working part time and eventually came on full time. And uh, as things opened up, uh, I got promoted to assistant manager. And we've been working together for a little while now and uh, been managing people and very thankful that people are willing to let such a young person manage them every day. Um, And just, you know, allowed some space for me to do what I know how to do. And now we're all deciding to go into business together and open a worker-owned cooperative.
0: Yeah. I mean, one, what a great uh, process of elimination you did in your choice of careers. I think like many young people in college and and high school, whatever would probably be well served to just be like, Hey, do you like your job? I don't know. I really like that approach.
5: (laughs) Yeah. uh, It it served me well for sure. Um, I landed on this one and uh, I I really had some great mentors through Aaron and Tony. Joe also has been an amazing mentor to me too. And uh, everybody just keeping it really uh, frank and real with me on like what the expectations for this career should be and from there i've just been able to make the most of it
0: awesome awesome well all right so kind of run us through who the team is right now um and how this this idea this cooperative farm idea was born for y'all
5: yeah so you know we had the big news come out this week and the response has been really incredible and really uh thank everybody who's reached out and said kind words and we really do appreciate it and community is really important to us but this this process started uh over two years ago actually um joe uh was meeting with the conservation fund a little bit and they were talking about the project that they had going on where they were going to buy uh working farms for farmers in the metro atlanta area to conserve farmland and they were looking to match uh landless farmers with that land and um, as the process went on Joe was looking at the operation we have here at Guy Gardens and realizing that there was a real opportunity to capitalize on the growing market you know we have a wait list on our CSA our plant sale has been uh, supported so well and we really wanted to make sure that we could serve people who want to be a part of that CSA and that community uh, and also our plant sale so instead of uh, looking at it as joe reynolds and judith winfrey going for it themselves they they definitely wanted to make sure they took some time to think about what's the most sustainable future for them and what uh Mm -hmm. they came to was partnering with other farmers that's been a really big part of love is love uh llc so far here at guy gardens um, we partner with other farmers uh like um swanson family farms uh wayne swanson for meat um Uh, Riverview Farm for pork, and there's a list of other people that we've worked with in the past to kind of diversify our CSA. And we, farmer collaboration has really been the focal point of the LLC. And so how to take that in the future was a really important point for them. And so they approached me and then Monica Ponce and Russell Honder and asked, were we okay with coming on board and having a collaborative vision for the future of how this farm would function? Yeah. So, it's not just uh, two owners or family ownership, it's multiple farmers coming together with their knowledge, their expertise, and trying to get this thing accomplished.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think something I've learned, um, or observed, I guess, in my time at Georgia Organics is just how much a cooperative, collaborative model is just so key to success at this local food level. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like collective harvest and, and some of the many folks around Georgia that, that see that if, if we're going to really sustain the local food movement at a local level, you've got to, you have to work together.
5: Yeah. And we were, we were really inspired by a team when we were coming together, uh, by, uh, like the Federation of Southern Cooperatives and how the history of people working together. Um, and we really liked the idea of, one one person, one voice in our ownership, and uh, that really resonated with us. And we we didn't want to reinvent anything. Like I said, the Federation of Southern Cooperatives and many cooperatives, especially across the South, of Black and Brown people uh, mm-hmm. overcoming challenges. We saw that these were models that had an opportunity to help us come together, sustain, and uh, overcome any challenges. So we were really wow. inspired by different people out there, and we didn't want to reinvent the wheel and just kind of follow along and maybe do something a little different. I feel like every cooperative has its little quirks and it's a little bit different, but, uh, at the core is for us is farmers, farmer owners, uh, making things happen to overcome the, any challenges we face instead of a single owner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a huge shout out to the Federation of Southern cooperatives. I mean, talk about like a legendary history, um, not just within food within civil rights movements and everything like that's that's such an incredible um organization to have as as a front runner you know as a trailblazer yeah
5: it is and and for people who don't and for people who don't know um so if you heard your the last podcast with uh monica and russell i'll just give a recap if you didn't but uh russell ponder is an also an atlanta native uh he's formerly of the king of pops farm the manager there um and he also was on the Grayfield uh, farm site on, on Cumberland Island. Monica Ponce worked at Rogers Re- Greens and Roots formerly, uh, also on Cumberland Island, Grayfield Inn uh, farm site. Uh, Joe Reynolds, operator of Love is Love Farm, uh, also former board president of Georgia Organics, something that he really cares about. Um, Judith Winfrey, uh, you know, former. Top dog over at Peach Dish, also
0: top dog of Atlanta food. Like, it's <laughs> like she's the she, yeah. I told her the other day she's an icon. She did not like like that descriptor, but whatever.
5: <laughs> well, I know uh, her and Joe really do like to give the um, give a lot to community and yeah, participate and in some servant leadership. Um, very thankful for their example out there of helping. But Judith also played a big role in um, Wholesome Wave, Georgia, and is a partner in Small Bites Adventure Club. So uh, people with different skill sets, as you can see, you know, my background, plus Monica and Russell's, Joe and Judas, um, people with a lot of different skills, instead of starting single farms all together and joining Atlanta food system, which has been really a great food system and a great community, but instead coming together and operating a farm and trying to, um, work things out and maybe have a better, a little bit better, uh, lifestyle for farmers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. maybe establish a little, maybe a bit more work-life balance, so to speak. Um, of course. So talk, you know, for folks who might not be familiar with kind of the ins and outs of a cooperative model like this, can you give us the high level of how this will work?
5: Yeah, so there are different types of cooperatives out there. Um, I am no expert at all. We are just starting in our infancy of this project. And uh, I do know a little bit more about worker-owned cooperatives. So there are different models out there. Uh, Georgia Cooperative Development Center has been a really big part of this process for us and helping us figure things out. And if you are interested in forming a cooperative or looking into it, I would highly recommend reaching out to the team of uh, very skilled people. Um, So for a worker-owned cooperative, like I said earlier, is uh, one worker, one member, one voice. So we all have equal ownership of the business. Um, And so the way we set up our cooperative is whenever it's time to make decisions, um, we all have one vote. Uh, We see a lot of strength in that because there's not one person, because they invested more money or anything like that, they have more sway over the business. We all come together and we all work. And we want to make sure that everyone has a say because everyone puts in a lot of time to the project and the success of the project so it's really important for us uh, that everybody had say we also have a consensus model in our cooperative so we make sure that we bring people along um, and we don't make any decisions finalized without a consensus to go forward with it Um, those are also really important to us and we also um really wanted to make sure that we had a model where we could bring in people in the future um and have the business going that that was uh really also really important so as we move along uh and get this cooperative settled uh looking forward in the future people who work with us and work on the farm we will be inviting those people to become members in the future and a part of membership is agreeing to our values and things like that but also Agreeing to have a role in operating this business, becoming a manager of some aspect of the business, um, and really helping out that way. Like you said earlier, we have some work-life balance, and in return, uh, you not only have say so, but hopefully, if things work out, and you know, we will, they will work out.
2: <laughs> um, yes, exactly.
5: That shared profit also at the end, so it's not just one person taking home profit from the work of other people. So we really wanted to make sure there was value in everybody who works on the farm, um, yeah. whether that's out in the field or in the office. Um, we really felt that our current food system around the country uh, works on somewhat of an exploited labor situation um, sometimes. And wow. you know, people who work really hard and tough to put food in the grocery stores and on the shelves of stores in America, aren't always paid and compensated and treated respectfully. And so we wanted to make sure that that was uh, addressed and that people who work with us have the opportunity to be respected, even if they are not owners, but eventually they can become a part of the family um, and the ownership structure and share.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I just, I'm curious like how you decide, because what, what I would imagine is that this this format really kind of breaks down, I think, some of the unnecessary hierarchies that we build into lots of businesses, um, I think because of the system that we work within, um, and I'm saying all of us. How, mm-hmm. how do you all plan to approach, you know, delegation of who's managing what? Is it is it kind of based on skill, just skill set? And...
5: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, That was something that uh, a lot of people, as they were advising us or wanted to know more in the beginning as we were forming this, they cautioned us to address this very question. Uh, The buck has to stop with somebody. Uh, And so what we decided was people who felt comfortable or felt strongly about taking on something on the farm, whether that's the greenhouse or the field planning or things like that that allow people to step up. And if they wanna take over something, make sure that the process is collaborative. However, the buck kind of stops with this specific person. Um, And we also have a structure where we have a president, um, a secretary and a treasurer. So we do have structures like that. So when things, contracts have to be signed, it's not like go to anybody and everybody. There is structure within our uh, cooperative where there's decision makers, that once the cooperative comes together and votes on something, there's uh-huh. up to particular people to carry that out and execute it.
0: That's great. Okay, cool. Well, I know one thing that, um, as Judith Winfrey and I were speaking before this kind of to coordinate our, our catch up, she, she was explaining that, that a lot of what y'all have been doing leading up to now, leading up to this exciting announcement and sort of like the next, you know, the next chapter, has been a lot of meetings (laughs) in her, in her words. So tell me a little bit about kind of what, I mean, I can only imagine how many, you know, organizations or, uh, government bodies you've had to, to kind of work with. Talk us through some of that process.
5: Yeah. So, uh, like you said, this is meant to maybe, this isn't a project that's a little bit different. Um, it's not, necessarily new but it is uh because of co has been around but it is kind of a newish thing and anybody who wants to do it they should be ready to sit in a lot of meetings um whenever you want to do something in community um i feel like farming a guy gardens in the east lake commons community definitely prepared uh myself for this and also joe is everything takes a long time um it's not a very fast process but it's very rewarding to know that we're all together on something so Like I said, two years ago, we came together. And since two years, we've been having meetings every single Thursday uh, on a variety of different topics, whether that's how to form our bylaws, uh, meeting with lawyers. Uh, Like I said, the Cooperative Development Center has been great talking about how the crop plan is going to work out and what equipment should we buy and different things like that. So there's been meetings uh, on top of meetings, but at least every single Thursday we've been meeting. And uh, we've also had a lot of meetings with the Conservation Fund of Georgia. I think they are really integral to this project um, really being in the place that it is now. So um, the Conservation Fund of Georgia, like I said, was looking to start a program where they purchased farmland in the surrounding metro area. So uh, our farm that they purchased is in Newton County, which is 45 minutes east of Atlanta. And they're looking to secure properties kind of in that same range from downtown around 30 minutes to an hour or so in spots where the suburbs are sprawling or have been already. And there's these last little pockets of agricultural areas. And what they want to see is farmers who are landless have the opportunity to step in to some of that farmland that is in danger of being turned into subdivisions or commercial districts. Um, and so we've been meeting with them a lot. And thank you, Stacy and Christiane. They, they've been amazing partners through this whole thing. Um, and so meeting with them, trying to match what the right farm is, they, it's, it's been a slow process. There's been some swings and misses. Uh, but finally, we got uh, paired with a farm that's about 70 acres in Mansfield, Georgia, again, 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. And we're moving forward and trying to establish our organic farm. So we'll be doing the same things we do here at Gaia, um, just out in Mansfield, Georgia. So that is vegetables, um, transplants for your plant sales, And then we'll also be adding some flowers onto that. So meeting with the conservation fund, making sure that that partnership is sound and we're moving together in the same direction. And like I said, they've been amazing partners this whole time, Uh, super thankful for the opportunity they've given. Um, And we've also met with the cooperative development. We've also met a little bit with Kim Karras, another local Atlanta food uh, person. And Kim has done a great job of helping us in different ways and a long list of other people. Um, I think that there's collaboration between the five of us, which has been really great and to get on the same page, but we've been helped by so many other people. Um, it's, it's been pretty incredible uh, to see people give their time to us and talk to us, guide us uh, through any challenges that we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad you you gave those shout outs because um, there really are some excellent resources like the center for cooperative development that are that exist to do this so you know it doesn't have to feel like a totally unapproachable or hard to navigate space there are people that will help with that
5: exactly yeah i think that um we often from the outside look at farmers as a single farmer out in the field with their crops And it's much more than that on a small farm. Uh, There's a lot of people who come and help, even if the the volunteers, the community support uh, during tough times, uh, landlords or other partners, uh, nonprofits uh, such as George Organics, a lot of people uh, out there helping local farms in different capacities. And the same thing applies to this just because we're five farmers coming together We really do uh, still need that community support in some ways uh, because we don't know everything and we want to make sure that we're moving in the right right direction.
0: Yeah. Well, as we kind of start to round things out, this has been such a great update. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Love is Love community that y'all have built, you know, the customers that you have right now um, over at Gaia Gardens in the East Lake area and kind of how you know, I'm, I'm sure and have witnessed that y'all have such a devoted, I don't want to say devoted following, that sounds a little, a little love is love cultish, but a really, de- you know, really dedicated customer base and folks that, that know y'all and love y'all. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of how that was built and, and how those folks, you know, how do you see them transitioning over Kind of moving with y'all to this to this new arena
5: yeah um at, you know at the cooperative development center audrey uh is a really great resource and she's helped us a lot and uh, she had the great idea of calling our supporters lovers
3: so big oh, yes. to
5: her so and following the cultish theme the lovers <laughs> I um it, i thought it was really funny but That's um great. but for us joe and judith have been working at lo- at Love is Love Farm for the past 13 years, starting out at the Glover Farm um, and then coming here to Eastlake Commons a Guy I Gardens. Um, it's been a really uh, incredible thing to be a part of the last five years, but this has been a work in progress, progress for a long time. And so I think that we, we have a following because we've always tried to make sure we have the best produce and everything, but we also have an open community and really show up for people. Um, and we still love to do that. So if our customers are listening to this and they, they want us to show up for something and be there for them, don't hesitate to ask. They've been there for us a lot. Um, and so we want to continue that. We may be moving far away, but we will continue that. And on the, the customer base side of supporting us through buying our products, uh, we'll still be in town with drop-off, uh, points. We haven't decided what that'll look like, but we still will be bringing our CSA, um, into to town the csa is pretty important to us is you know it's a it's a crazy thing but there's a lot of people who've made small short-term investments in us and we've paid them back through vegetables so uh that's that's a real trust relationship we have there so we're really close to those members and we want to continue to serve those members and if possible add on to that membership and with the plant sale, we'll be doing the same thing except so we'll We'll be asking people to come out and buy plants from us. Um, We'll make it an event and make it worth your time. We'll be adding on not only more plants, but more products to buy, such as soil and compost and other things like that. And like I said, we'll be adding on flowers, which will be available to our CSA customers. And we'll still be uh, providing from some of our wholesale customers, too. We really enjoy working with some of the wholesale people, Farm Burger being a big supporter. Thankful for them uh miller union common market georgia we, we enjoy serving them also and some partnership with them so we still will be serving our community through the csa uh, with some drop-off points we'll be asking people to join us out in mansfield uh for a great event and time for our plant sale and we'll awesome. keep we'll be able to find us on the wholesale market through farm burger and miller union and common market and a couple other uh channels coming up here that's
0: wonderful yeah i know Props to Farm Burger and Miller Union, a couple of our, in our Farmer Champion programs. So they, they clearly know what's up. They're doing, doing the right thing. Um, Well, that's so exciting. I mean, I know I personally can't wait to just come visit. I think we don't um, often speak highly enough of just, you know, taking a trip, hop in the car on a Saturday, you know, or whatever day a farm stand is and, and head out there. It's a beautiful kind of peaceful
2: escape to
5: go get on a farm. So I am I'm, I'm blown away by the beauty of uh, our new farm all the time. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. Um, yes. We we're excited for people to come out and see us and share. And we're also a part of a, a community out there already. Um, Newton County is home to a lot of local farmers, you know, Crystal Organic um, and uh, quite a few others. So we're not alone and people can make it a local food, food tour for sure.
0: I like a like a passport kind of situation. I like it. Yeah. Well, all right. Couple things. One, what what's the timing from here? And then um, two, how can folks stay tuned with updates and and really get engaged with y'all and shop from y'all?
5: Well, the timing is um, re- at the end of the year. We will be leaving Guy Gardens um, and. Super thankful for ELC again. can't thank them enough for the opportunity they've given us. Um, and then we all worker owners will be out in Mansfield uh, working on that property for the foreseeable future and we will be happy to do that and it'll be our new home so it'll be our only and new home. Uh, if you really want to know what's going on, you can go follow us on social media through Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Love' is Love Farm. That's going to be the place that gets the most visual updates and things like that. Or you can visit loveislovefarm.com uh, and join our email list. We'll have email updates of our progress on the new property for sure and any other ways to support us. You can also sign up for our CSA wait list and also our plant sale email list. And then also uh, loveislovefarm.com support to specifically learn more about the new project. And what we have going on and how you can help Uh, that could be in the form of signing up for the wait list for our CSA or buying transplants for us uh, or giving time and coming out and helping us put up some of the structures on our new farm or becoming a preferred share member and learning more about that. So there's many ways that people can help. And we really enjoy the support that's come our way since the newsletter has gone out. Uh, Super thankful for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a great and in general, I. As a marketing person, y'all y'all do a great job at your emails and keeping folks engaged with what you have coming up. But this is, I know, an especially exciting time to be following what y'all have going on. And yeah, folks, y'all heard that. I'll I'll share the links in our show notes. But it's all all hands on deck now. Let's let's help these folks get up and running so that we can get some of these beautiful vegetables and fruits and flowers. I'm excited about that. Um, So congrats to Demetrius and Joe, Judith and Monica and Russell. This is going to be a really exciting chapter to follow from here on out.
5: Well, thank you so much. I I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And, and also shout out on your uh, spotlight recently on Eater National as being part of the new guard for sustainable living. That was pretty cool.
5: (laughs) It it was a, It was nice for some recognition and also to be able to mention a lot of people who've helped me out to get to this point. So it was a great opportunity. Thank you. And yeah. also great to be spotlighted by a lot of other young people working around the country. If you haven't seen it, uh, you can check out my story, but also check out all the wonderful stories around the country. of some people that I think are doing amazing work out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm a, I know I am personally was excited to see and have been excited to see Eater you know, a, a national platform like Eater, which has always been primarily about restaurants, talking about that deeper layer, right? Like the farmers behind the food that go on the menus of these great restaurants. So I'm really encouraged to see a lot of publications starting to to pick up that farmers are pretty dang cool. So that's been really good.
5: <laughs> yes, yeah, it was awesome to see.
0: Well, thank you so much, Demetrius, and and keep us posted, okay?
5: Well, thank you so much, and we definitely will keep you all posted.
0: Awesome. That's our show for today and for the season. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, we're so grateful for our guests and our guest hosts for the incredible conversations that they bring to the table on the Atlanta Foodcast. If you want to stay in touch with us over the summer, visit georgiaorganics.org and be sure to follow us on social media. We'll be back this fall, but in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. How are you enjoying the podcast? Who would you like to hear from, etc.? Please stay in touch. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and be sure to support those farmers this summer. Bye-bye.